Hey, Corey, uh, this is Lisa S. Johnson, the photographer and author of Immortal Axes, the guitars that rock. Well, we don't need much more of an introduction than that, but hey, this is the official tapes. This is an unofficial Grateful Dead radio program for those official releases, and we put them on the airwaves for you, the radio airwaves for you, and it broadcasts on a bunch of radio stations around the globe. Every so often, we catch up with an author, maybe a photographer, or in this case, we got really lucky, and we've got uh, both author Photographer Lisa Johnson, her new book, Immortal Axes. Now, she's going to give us a rundown on her book. She's also going to talk about the uh, Jerry Gar Garcia Immortal Axe that made it into the book. And kind of interesting tale. It is a uh, was a practice guitar from Jerry. But then there's also Osiris, or as some fans call it, a mission control, the bass guitar from Phil Lesh. She'll talk about uh, what an immortal axe is and how music takes us to places. So, Lisa Johnson on the official tapes. The Grateful Dead, you don't get much immortal than that band name, number one. Uh, the greatest jam band ever on the planet. I mean, the spirit that the Grateful Dead created that lives to this day in the massive deadhead fan base, um, I think pretty much just about any guitar Jerry Garcia played, I would call immortal. The pretzel guitar wasn't one that he played live or pl hardly played at all, I don't think. And he ended up gifting it to Sam Cutler, but it ended up back in Rick Turner's hands, which it, it's just such an incredible, the art that goes into it, you know, the luthery that goes into it. It was one of the first guitars that Alembic made. And the way that it's made, like they call the hippie sandwich with the, all the different woods that create like that sound, you know, chasing sound, this sound that you get out of these guitars and the uniqueness of it. Like there's no guitar like it. It's probably a one-off. I don't think there's another one like it. The extras that they put as part of the build of the guitar, the pickups that are surrounded by resin, like they're made in resin, and the the solid gold skulls that are embedded in the tailpiece. I mean, it's just, it's such a unique guitar and that it was played by Jerry uh, and it was gifted by Jerry to Sam and then ended up in the original builder's hands who, you know, restored it it's it's just uh, it's a work of art and it was part of jerry's history I know that from the outside looking in it seems like all guitars are the same and similar but they're not. They're very different and they're from each other and they all hold their own mystique, especially after they have been played for a long time by an artist and how that they how they trick them out, how they how they the search for sound, this constant, you know, search for sound was what was it that um, Phil Lesh had said, listening for the secret and searching for the sound. I mean, this is like a journey for artists, a lifelong journey for artists. They're always looking and searching for that sound. So they they use different pickups, they use different tremellos, they use different strings, they use different picks, they use 
different pick guards. They use different woods. I mean, they're always looking for something different. And um, so no guitar is the same. Uh, when I go to photograph it, I never know what I'm going to get most of the time. Uh, and if I do know what I'm going to get, of course, I've never seen it up close and personal yet. So when I do get that opportunity, it's a whole world opens up because you see the nicks, the scratches, the stickers, the sweat stains, how, how they play the guitar is evident by what you see on the guitar, by what's left behind on it. So that's why I always say the, part, the, the artist is in the portrait by what they leave behind on it. Because everyone's photographed these artists. You know, when I met Slash, he's like, oh yeah, you're that girl who photographed my guitar. It's so cool. You just wanted the guitar. Everyone wants to photograph me. You just want the guitar. Yeah, because you're in the guitar, dude, already. What you leave behind on it. I did come out with a, another book back in 2013 called 108 Rockstar Guitars, and that one was 100% guitars. This book is a little different than the first one, so if anyone has the first book, this one is different in that it also includes artists holding their guitars. So there's select artists like John Mayall. He's holding his handmade guitars in this book, and uh, we have um, Billy Sheehan holding his Yamaha bass and uh, Tommy Thayer's in there actually holding my dad's J160E guitar. And uh, there's other portraits in there as well. Uh, Dave Davies came over to my house and got a great portrait of him holding his gold top Les Paul. The layout is also different in this book and it also includes full bands. So like all of Iron Maiden's guitars are featured in this book. All of Tesla, all band members from Tesla are in it. Um, Metallica, all the guys from Metallica's, including Cliff Burton's bass uh, is in there. I was able to capture it at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, so there's bands, there's full bands also featured in the book. Kurt Cobain is in there and Dave Grohl uh, and Christopher Selec. Uh, so there is a, a lot of differences in this book and the portraits as well. So you get to see some of the guys holding the guitars and then you see the majority of the work are guitars and you see the artists personified by what they leave behind on the guitars. Nick's scratches, wear and tear, sweat, just the backside. You don't normally get to see the back of a guitar. So you see the backside of the guitar, like Dimebag Daryl's guitar is completely ratcheted out on the back from wearing his Kiss buckle, which is also featured in the, on, in the photo. So he was a huge Kiss fan and he had a Kiss pinball machine and I put his famous Dean from Hell guitar on top of the pinball machine, his Kiss pinball machine and his, his Egyptian cat jumped up on there and got in the shot. and. It's just cool stuff, intimate, you know, intimate stuff that you would never be able to get access to. They get a rock and roll journey through time as correlated through the guitar by what they leave behind on the guitar. So guitar is made out of wire and wood, and it resonates. The artists hold these guitars, they create music on it, and the guitar, the wood, the strings holds 
that music. It holds that vibration and it immortalizes the music. So even when the artist is gone, the music is always held. The secrets are always held in that guitar. So it's immortal. I started this project in Memphis, Tennessee, and six months later, I, I moved to New York City. So I fell in love with photographing guitars while living in Memphis, but then I went to New York and I just, I wanted to keep photographing guitars. And I thought I may as well photograph famous ones if I'm, if I'm in New York. I mean, every band comes through. So I started with Les Paul and I just went down to the Iridium Room. He was there every Monday night. And after a few times going down there, I met the ba his bass player in the Les Paul Trio. And I asked him if he thought Les would let me photograph his guitar. And he took some pictures back and showed them to Les. And he came back and said, yeah, Les said you can photograph his guitar. And Les was so accessible. He would stay for hours after the shows and sign autographs for people and ev until everybody was gone. Like he would satisfy everyone. And then he'd still sit and hang out afterwards and have a drink with people. And I don't even know if he drank. I, I don't really think I ever saw Les take a drink. but we would be drinking and uh, we just, he just, I don't know how that man stayed up late. He was just a real musician, you know? Anyway, after working with Les, it was just kind of a real door opener because I would call up management or record labels and say, hey, I've worked with Les Paul. I photographed his guitar. Uh, I'd really like to photograph your artist's guitar, whoever the name was. And they would consider it because Le I had worked with Les and I had Les's endorsement. And Les wrote the foreword for my first book. So I had that in my pocket. And so it's been very, very helpful over the years. And then, of course, starting my second book, I already had the first book out. And, you know, I had Keith Richards, Ronnie Wood, I mean, Jimmy Page, everybody. So it made it a lot easier to gain access in this second book. Guitars do prompt songs out of their players a player can hold the guitar he's trying to compose something and a guitar just starts playing it starts moving through the, the player's fingers and hands so i think that's why guitar players have such a connection with their guitars because they're a one they're like a union with each other and sometimes it's just not working out with one guitar and they pick up another one and it becomes magical so they name their guitars you're holding it next to your body. You can feel the vibration of it. I think that players, that's probably like an addiction, you know, to feel that vibration and their amps raging behind them. I mean, come on, when you go into a stadium and you go to a show, the elevated frequency in an auditorium, you can't match that. It's created by the synergy of sound that is created by the guitar, the drums and the bass and vocals, you know, the instrument of the human voice. Music is so 
spiritual and so cosmic, even even when you're a metalhead. They have to come off the stage and go, oh my God, that was insane, you know? And they're creating that synergy and that energy of what's going on in the pit and creating this feeling that people have. And they're kind of going berserk, you know? And the music is creating that. So you look at bands like Tool, I mean, rabid fans and their shows are incredible. You, the feeling that you have, and you know, you can hear pin drop at times at the, in a tool show. Like it's just the, the captivate, they captivate the audience and they feed off of that too. So rock and roll is never going to die and the guitar is not going away. So if we run out of wood, maybe there's going to be something else that they, like Sean Payton, this guy, Green Guitar Project. He makes guitars out of recycled you know, materials. He, so Brad Whitford from Aerosmith's guitars in the book and his guitar that's featured was made by Sean Payton from the Green Guitar Project. And he loves that guitar. He, Brad plays it all the time in Aerosmith. Sean Payton, fantastic luthier and um, also a very spiritual guy as well. You know, he's building these guitars, he's infusing his spirit into it. And that actually changes the construct of material. So I'm also a yogi and I understand, you know, energy, frequency and vibration. And when you are just like people say, we're cooked with love, right? You know, you cook, chop the food and you cook it and you're blessing it. We're supposed to pray over our food before we eat because it infuses a, a frequency and a vibration. So say one day we run out of wood, we're told, oh, you can never make any more wood products. They will find a way to use recycle materials and you infuse your energy into it and you're still going to create amazing sound. What's really so cool is that after the shoot's done, I, my gear's put away, I can relax now, and I go to the show, and I see that guitar being played after I photographed it. I get high off of that. That's like, wow, you know, like just a couple of hours ago, I was hovering over that guitar, and I have in my mind's eye, you know, all those nicks and scratches and things that I saw on it, and it, there it is being played, being brought to life. That kind of blows my mind. I'm like, wow, man, you know, I was just... I'm so honored, you know, that I, I got to photograph that guitar. Like when I look through these pages, it's like I got to photograph these guitars. These are my pictures. And I look at them and I'm just like, Jesus, man, like I hovered over Tony Iommi's Monkey SG. You know, it's like the sound of Black Sabbath. And I'm just so honored that people have allowed me the access. It's just... Um, it's like just wow i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't have dreamt it that i would be doing this i feel so grateful to all these amazing musicians that have created this music that makes us feel so good you know that gives us a memory that gives us uh energy that gives us synergy with people to go to a show and and to feel one with twenty thousand people in a stadium it's this wave and flow and it creates this beautiful feeling of love and unity and the synergy. Mm -hmm. 
music turns us on, you know, the guitar turns us on, you know, so, and that's something that's a good thing. So the easiest place to buy the book is on Amazon. So Amazon.com, you just search Immortal Axes and it comes right up. It actually, the book was featured in the Wall Street Journal and it shot to number one in music and history on Amazon. And it was number three in music books behind Dave Grohl's new book and uh, Paul McCartney's lyrics book. So I'm pretty happy with the result. You can go to my website as well, immortalaxes.com, and you can see a bit about the book, and there's a link there. You just click it, and it takes you straight to Amazon to buy the book. So, But you can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go. People are sending me pictures from England in, in small towns and sending me pictures and going, oh, I saw your book in the, in the store, bookstore, that, you know, in the little town. So um, it's everywhere in bookstores.